1: Welcome, you're listening to The Best of Investing. I'm your host, Edward Brown, along with my co-host, Nam Phan of Pacific Private Money and Rob Spinoza of Guaranteed Rate. Mark Honf is off today. Our phone number is 888-912-1190. Use that number to answer the trivia questions for a five-pack tanning certificate given away during this show. That certificate's not sponsored by the radio station, but by Tan Bella Tanning Salon with two locations in San Francisco and one in Marin. And today's trivia theme is, yet again, random trivia. I got to gotta, gotta keep you guys on your toes there. Uh, None. why don't you go ahead and start us off.
2: Yeah, I'll uh, start with uh, reading a couple of headlines on uh, real estate and specifically San Francisco real estate. Two articles that came out this week. Uh, first one is uh, pent up supply floods San Francisco housing market. Most since housing bubble or how, excuse me, since housing bust. Uh, second article headline is San Francisco is preparing for, an exodus of homes for sale um, reaching uh, near recession levels. So uh, going into the first article, supply of homes for sale has more, <clears throat> excuse me, has more than doubled. Homes are being pulled off the market again, pending sales, uh, lack pent up demand. Buyers now have the largest choice of homes for sale since the housing bust nearly a decade ago. There's a lot of discussion about the low levels of inventory for sale as potential sellers have pulled their homes off the market are not wanting to list their homes at the moment, waiting for the pandemic to blow over or waiting for more certainty or whatever, or their mortgage is now in forbearance and they don't want to make a move. So these articles are interesting because one is talking about sellers pulling their homes off the market and the other one's talking about the record number of homes that are being added to active available listings.
1: Yeah.
2: And wow. so <clears throat> if you look- so the de- I mean- yeah a little bit of a uh opposite um but the number of active listings though this article cites surged to 1344 homes in the weekend of july 5th and um
0: where
3: where i was going with that is not only do you have the active
2: listings increasing
3: but you also have people taking homes out of the listing so it would otherwise even be even higher
2: right Right. right? Yep. Yeah, you're right. So they can hold true. And and the interesting thing is, um, you know, sellers pulling their homes off the market. This, this second article that I mentioned, it shows, um, you know, some of the reasons why maybe people are pulling their homes off is they're not going to get the price that they think they're going to get, uh, because they're seeing rental rates drop. Um, they're seeing homes maybe staying on the market a little bit longer. Uh, And this is uh, San Francisco specifically. So I'm not sure if you're seeing that same sort of stat in the outlying areas, because what we've seen sort of anecdotally over the last several weeks or maybe the last month and a half is the number of people moving into the burbs out of San Francisco. So I don't know if this is isolated to the city of San Francisco itself. Well, it's um, it's all COVID related, right? The shelter in yeah.
1: place, people are kind of going, hey, I can work from home. Why be in an expensive area? I'm, I've got a little bit too too small a space, that sort of thing. Yeah.
2: yeah. Or the fact that, you know what, <clears throat> this is the first uh, month or maybe, you know, mid-June to now, um, all of this pent-up demand. People are suddenly rushing to lift their homes when, you know, for March, April, and May, people held back. So there's a flood of homes that otherwise would have hit the market over a three month period, oh, you know, point. pre-COVID now all of a sudden hitting the market all at once. So yeah. it's flooding the market with new listings where people are saying, you know what, I'm going to hold, maybe I'll pull back or maybe the realtors are telling them to pull back saying, you know what, there's too, too many homes right now. They take it off and put it back on in the fall because typically in the fall you have that second spring season, what they call it, of you know, of homes being listed. So I think it's an interesting, interesting stat, but I guess it'll play out more as we, you know, go through the end of July and into August Uh, because the other part of it too is, you know, people, people won't be uh, students, schools won't be opening. It sounds like, and having students going back to school. So, you know, are people just going to, instead of waiting for school to start, uh, they just, you know, start listing their homes uh, throughout August. Because a lot of times, um, you know, people wait until right, right. cool yeah. starts up again Good before. Point. Yeah. So I don't know if you're seeing, you know, you know, how are you seeing things on the mortgage side uh, as it relates to this? Rob, are you seeing Yeah, I mean, we, we've, we've seen a definite, uh, yeah, we, we're seeing, you know, a, a lot of activity. I'm
3: based in Marin, so, so we're seeing a lot of activity in Marin. People moving into Marin, and we're seeing high demand for desirable property. So, in that sense, I don't, I haven't perceived the shift that there that now I think is evident in the city. Um, mm-hmm. But I would also, you know, this this drives home another point that we see in real estate all the time. And as a radio show here, talking to people about real estate, I don't think we can gloss over the fact that there's always, always, always a herd mentality with these sorts of things. So, you know, buyers and sellers alike get, get complacent. I'm I'm not faulting them, but they get complacent with the trend in place, never really understanding what would happen if the trend shifted and how quickly and fully it could transition. Um, and we're seeing that now, obviously this is prompted by something nobody expected to happen, but nevertheless, you had people who were probably ready and able to list a home, in a, in a market and chose not to, anticipating things would be normal. And now they're not. And now you've got all these other people piling on that trend as well. It sounds that way anyway, at least in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it would be interesting to see how, because there's a lot of really good real estate agents in the city. It would be interesting to see how they yeah. position their clients, what they counsel, and, and, and how this thing smooths out or doesn't over the next two or three months. Because remember, everybody was expecting shelters in place and life to go back to normal. That doesn't look like it's gonna happen. So, right? Yeah, it, it's gonna be interesting to see that in couple months. All
1: right. If you guys are uh, ready, we are gonna go to our uh, first trivia question. And uh, here it is: What Australian rock band released the album "Business as Usual" in 1981? All right. The uh, first caller with the correct answer is gonna win that tanning certificate. Eight 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 nine one two eleven ninety. Don't touch that dial. The best of investing. We're
3: going to be right back.
0: For more information on today's topic, call Edward Brown directly at 888 912 1190. That's 888 912 1190. The best of investing will continue in a moment on AM 1220 KDOW. Now, back to the best of investing with your host, Edward Brown, on AM 1220 KDOW.
1: Welcome back to the Best of Investing. Again, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Nom Fawn of Pacific Private Money and Rob Spinoza of Guaranteed Rate. Our first trivia question was, business as usual. Uh, what Australian ba- rock band released an album in
2: 1981? Rob, nope. you know that Ben at
1: work. Ben at work, that is correct. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, Nom, you have another tidbit about San Francisco real estate.
2: Yeah, so I'll continue on with the uh, one of the articles that I started the segment with is uh, one other stat is 30% of the homes on the SF market are listed at under a million, over twice as many sub-1 million listings than this time last year. Based on standard seasonal patterns, overall real estate listings should be declining. But, you know, again, could it be just that all of these people who whose homes are under a million instead of listing it in March, April, or May, listed it all at once in late June, July, or is it just that the starter home homeowners all decided, hey, I want to move out of the city and into the burbs. So, or maybe it's both, maybe it's a combination of both, but that, you know, that's another interesting little tidbit there that, hey, if you're looking to move in San Francisco, now's a great time to buy into the city and get a you know relatively affordable home uh, compared to other markets, uh, or compared to what has been in the past. So, let me let me ask, let me ask yeah. you guys because I'm not I'm not from San
3: Francisco Bay Area. I, I moved up here in the early 2000s. But do you recall a time where San Francisco was considered undesirable and and properties were relatively inexpensive, or has it been? You know, like I remember, South of
1: Market was undesirable in the '70s. Yeah, it wasn't until the '80s that the trendiness uh, came. I mean, you have seafood, which has always been a good area. Tenderloin's always been a bad area.
2: Um, Well, yeah, yeah, I would say, you know, on a just a general basis, I think San Francisco has been desirable. Uh, But uh, as Edward said, you know, it's probably you know a a street to street. You know, there's certain areas that that are less desirable than others. But I think in general, San Francisco has been a destination for a lot of people. Um, But uh, it is really interesting. I wonder if other densely populated metro areas are seeing the same kind of pattern. They, um, they, I
1: think they are this whole shelter in place. That's the next point I was going to get to. Is this whole shelter in place where people are a not uh, realizing their their space is too small, as, as well mm-hmm. as uh, hey, I can work from home. Why don't I go to a cheaper area? Uh, interestingly enough, you know, San Francisco has been having a lot of growth with uh, Salesforce Tower, and you know, there's been a lot of boom in the in the building. But what I thought was interesting is uh, I was talking to uh, a, someone who was very high up in a fairly large company recently. And we were talking about the fact that, you know, a lot of people, you know, working from home and, and all that. And, and I said, you know, my crystal ball, be it right or wrong or indifferent, I said, I believe, you know, people think that they can be productive working from home. And maybe the first couple of days, they might even wear a suit and tie when they go to their computer, you know, in their little home office, right? But after a while, you know, they, they show up a, uh, an hour later, they leave an hour earlier, they come in their pajamas, you know, they, the interruptions with the dog, the you know, the the kids, the wife, whatever. Uh, and, and suddenly they're going to realize or the companies are going to realize they're not quite as effective. So uh, he said that they're actually starting to see that now with the standpoint of some of these companies that were uh, only 25 percent of the employees were supposed to come back to work. And then, and that was in the fairly in the beginning of the COVID, and now it's a situation where they're requiring fifty percent. Now they're staggering it with the number of hours, uh, so that they don't yeah. have too many people right next to each other, social distancing. But they're already noticing the fact of, hey, you know what? This uh, shelter-in-place working from home is not all what it's cracked up to be from a productivity standpoint. So I think. Well, what's you're happening. You, I, excuse we'll, me, I to we'll, thought. So I think what will end up happening is. Companies will realize, you know, we need you to you back in the office, and you're going to start to see a resurgence back to the cities.
2: Hmm.
3: So, yeah, I mean, you, I, you I think there's, I think there's a lot of that, and I also think that one of the things that happens with with events like this is people go through the equivalent of like the seven stages of grief, right? So you you've lost a loved one, and, and you're in denial for a bit, and then you realize that. You know you have to make adjustments in your life and you make those adjustments well when everybody first got forced to work from home they did the best they could right and 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 that best they could was better than nothing which was the alternative of being forced out of work by a pandemic but now you know this that's not the standard anymore the standard is now the business needs to get back to a certain level of operation and what cut it initially to, to address you know plugging the hole because now we're, you know, exactly. everything has stopped. Now that's got to migrate into what it needs to be. And for some, that's going to be a painful transition because you hit the nail on the head. Edward. Some people are going to be now like, Hey, I'm comfortable. I don't like getting up at six in the morning. That thing that used to force me out of the house every morning. Cause I had a commute. I don't have that anymore. Now I just start showing up later and later every day. Nobody yeah. knows, you know, that is going to impact across the country. You're, you're, you're right. That's going to impact.
2: Edward, you've been very productive working from home. I mean, how many Sudoku puzzles have you uh, been completing every day? <laughs> well, you should uh-huh, see me on, right?
1: on hearts against the computer. I'm, I'm the bomb, man. I'm the bomb. <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right. Yeah. But that, so that's interesting. So if all these people are selling now and employers eventually are saying, you know, over time, Hey guys, you know, we need more people to come into the office. Yeah. All of a sudden there's going to be a migration back to the city and, and um, you know, people are be, will be snapping up properties again. See that's uh, the thing, is, it's, it's like
1: it's all, it's, it's kind of all me, real me. estate because it, it's just lots of transactions. Lots of, yeah. lots of people buying, lots of people- Ooh, Yeah,
3: than- and, and, and what I was gonna say, right, exactly. And, and um, one of the other things about that is that some of those people who may be leaving are renters and you are seeing that in the city now because there's, from what I understand it, rent high degree of vacancies in rentals and rental, you know, landlords are not able to get what they thought they were going to get on their rent for the properties that are mm-hmm. becoming vacant. So, I think when you're leaving the area and you're moving away and selling your house, you've probably got a fairly strong commitment from your employer that that's going to fly for at least the foreseeable future. But if you're not getting that commitment and you're a renter, that you know what I mean, then then yeah. what have you got to lose? Your risk in in that look, if I get driven back to the city, I'll deal with it when that happens, when it is if that happens.
2: Yeah. You know what? It'll be interesting to see of those sub-million dollar homes, how many of those were, were investor properties that, are, that they're selling because oh, the yeah. tenant moved out. Um, and these are landlords saying, you know what? I'm not getting the rents I'm getting, uh, so I'm going to put this home on the market and sell it. That could be it too. All
1: right, guys. We're going to cut to our next commercial break. Um, When we come back, we're going to have a little email time and deal of the week. I want to make a quick mention here for... The uh, Mount View Hotel and Spa in Calistoga. So enjoy their luxurious pool, hot spring, mineral water, jacuzzi, as they provide social proper social distancing in the large pool area. Enjoy the magical themed dinners in the private new hotel. Or excuse me, in our new private hotel guest outdoor dining. Centrally located in Calistoga and within walking distance of many amenities, including wineries. Check them out at www viewhotel.com for reservations. Second trivia question is, who succeeded Stalin as Communist Party leader? Which Russian was that? All right, call 888-912-1190. First caller with the correct correct answer is going to win that tanning certificate. That's our trivia question. Who succeeded Stalin as Communist Party leader? All right, don't touch that dial. The Best of Investing will be right back.
0: You're listening to The Best of Investing with your host, Edward Brown. For more information, visit bestofinvesting.com. That's bestofinvesting.com. More in a moment on AM 1220 KDOW. You're listening to The Best of Investing on AM 1220 KDW. Once again, your host, Edward Brown. Welcome
1: back to The Best of Investing. Edward Brown here along with Rob Spinoza and... I'm fine. Mark Hoffman is off today. Second trivia question was, who succeeded Stalin as Communist Party leader? Who took his place? Lenin. Nikita Khrushchev. Yeah, Nikita Khrushchev. That's right. Yeah, Lenin was way back in the oh, before Stalin. But uh, very good. Very good, Rob. Um, okay, so you know uh, what? Khrushchev and Men on a roll. Uh, you cut in and out there again, my friend. What
3: did you say? Nah, sorry. Huh? I said Nikita Khrushchev and Men at Work, I'm on a roll.
1: That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And now what, were, what were you saying, Noam?
2: Oh, uh, I was saying that Rob uh, looked online when he was pretending yeah. to, he
1: was...
2: Cheater, cheater. <laughs> cheater yeah. Okay. So, no, so you're gonna, just the man.
1: Noam, we have an email that comes in from a listener. and says, please explain how investors in your fund can make more than the distributed rate of 7.5%, because that's apparently what you guys are paying now. <clears throat> uh, if you, yeah. if uh, Pacific Private Money chooses... To foreclose,
2: yeah. So, a uh, good question. Uh, essentially, the question is how can we make how can an investor make more than what we've been paying, which is generally around seven and a half to eight percent um, on a monthly basis distributed to investors? Uh, and the question pertains to the Pacific Private Money Fund, which is our primary fund uh, currently at about uh, 55 or 57 million or so in assets under management. <clears throat> when a borrower falls behind and it gets to the point where we have to file a notice of default and take the property back, uh, foreclose on it, um, and sell the property, there's the opportunity where you can actually make a profit on that sale above and beyond, you know, the the loan amount, and the profits are distributed to the investors, um, if there is a profit. So, you know, typically, in our fund, the weighted average loan-to-value is uh, 60%. And that loan-to-value percentage is, is critical in determining whether or not you can make a profit when you sell the property. Um, if you're making loans at you know, 90% loan-to-value and you have to take the property back, uh, what do you have to do before you sell it? You have to do a little bit of maintenance, updating. Um, there's fees to list the properties, there's commissions to realtors when uh, the property is sold, that eats into that 10% you know, equity to the point where you can actually have a loss. Um, but you know, with the Pacific Private Money Fund, being that it's fairly conservative uh, with respect to loan to value, you have 40% equity in that property on average for the, for the loans yep. in the fund. So if you have to take a property back and you have the expense of rehabbing it, updating it, paying commissions, uh, that does cost something and it eats into some of that uh, equity protection you have. But at the end of the day, at least with respect to the the loans and the properties we ha- we've had to foreclose on, there's been enough uh, when we sell the property to actually have a profit and we distribute it in the month that that, that money is realized, that profit but is then, realized. To yeah, you, you,
1: uh, today you've not had a loss uh, on any properties we, that you've had to foreclose on.
2: Exactly, whether it's been in the Pacific Private Money Fund or, or outside of the fund. But, uh, you know, um, the, the properties that we have taken back, we've, we've sold, as you uh, mentioned, uh, n- no loss, out of profit. It's distributed in that month. And, um, you know, investors have seen returns, you know, I think the most recent one was, um, resulted in an eight and a quarter percent annualized return for that month. Very good. So we don't want to be in the business of foreclosing, obviously. Um, we're not loan-to-own lenders, as Mark has mentioned before. Our, our, you know, typically, we're going to try and work it out with a borrower. We want to give them the opportunity, but in the worst-case scenario where we take the property back and sell it, um, it's been a profit for that long.
1: Uh, w- at some point, we'll get into a deal of the week so people can understand the kind of loans that you fund. Uh, but yeah. for now, uh, how do people get a hold of you?
2: Yeah, they can uh, give us a call, 415-883-2150, or they can go online and go to www.pacificprivatemoney.com. Great. And uh, best is always to give us a call. We love talking to people, and, and there's always questions that people have that we can answer right away to, to see if this is something that they uh, that they want to invest in or not. And, you know, uh, I'll quickly go through the, the criteria for investing. Number one, you have to be accredited. So investors in our fund need to show that they have a million-dollar net worth um, exclusive of their primary residence, or they can qualify on income. As an individual, if you can show $200,000 a year in income on your tax returns, that uh, can qualify you, or $300,000 as a couple. Uh, Minimum investment is $50,000, and um, there's a one-year hold. So we asked that investors stay in for a minimum of a year.
1: And no fee to get in, no fee to get out. Um, exactly. So uh, let's move on to Rob. Rob, uh, how much lower can rates go? I understand that they dropped yet again. This is from a listener who's been watching the the, the uh, interest rate market.
3: Yeah. Can you guys hear me okay? Yes, we can. Right. Yeah. Okay. okay. So... You know, this is the conversation we're having every day with every client is, uh, do you think things are going to go lower? And the answer is, I don't know. I I don't, you know, I'm not a market forecaster. I'm not an economist. And certainly we're in uh, unprecedented times, um, you know, for a lot of different reasons. And um, what I, what I counsel people is look, when you're sitting on historic lows, which we are right now. and, And what I mean by that is we're sitting on historic lows consistently. So it's not just like one day and then they're gone. And you know, a volatile stock market day or bond market day, but we've been on 30 year fixed rate loans in many cases under 3% with some consistency. So, you know, to tell, to counsel people to hold out for better when you're sitting at historic lows, to me, doesn't sound like a prudent piece of financial advice. So I would say to anybody who's out there right now, if you can financially benefit either by buying or refinancing and, and you're looking at today's rates, You've got history on your side. It's it's never been lower than this for fixed rate money. Um, Certainly not, you know, in in any recent times. Um, And what are you holding out for? You know, are you holding out for a quarter better, a half better? Um, I don't know what circumstances it would take to get us there, but I know that whatever circumstances it does is going to bring about other, you know, side effects or ramifications or implications, because to get to two and a quarter percent on a 30-year fixed rate loan, It means that something is very different in the economy. And I don't know what that is, but I know that that when we get to that point, everybody will have other considerations. Will they have a job? Will their house just be worth what they think it's worth? I don't know. So look at things we have right now, take that into consideration, uh, and act act carefully on it. And how do people get a hold of you if they have
1: uh, more questions about interest rates or uh, refinancing their house?
3: Yeah, I work for Guaranteed Rate, uh, one of the largest independent mortgage banks in the country. I'm uh, based in Marin County. My phone number is 415-367-5959. Uh, believe it or not, people called me off of the radio show, and and somehow they remember that number, and I didn't repeat it. 415-367-5959. 415-367-5959. <laughs> 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 All 367 right. So, yeah, and uh, you can find me online on Yelp, on LinkedIn, on all those sources. Rob spent us with Guarantee Grade and uh, happy to be able to serve us.
1: Very good. Thank you, sir. Okay, uh, third trivia question. Which cuisine gave us kimchi and bulgogi? All right. <laughs> 888-912-1190. first caller gets the correct answer, gets that uh, tanning certificate, which is worth over $100. Stay with us. The best of investing will be right back. Dom's going to give us a deal of the week.
0: For more information on today's topic, call Edward Brown directly at 888 912 1190. That's 888 912 1190. The best of investing will continue in a moment on AM 1220 KDOW. Now, back to the best of investing with your host, Edward Brown, on AM 1220 KDOW.
1: Welcome back to the best of investing one more time. I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Mark. No, Mark's gone. I'm so used to saying that. Nob Fawn of Pacific Private Money and Rob Spinoza so of Guaranteed Rate. Third trivia question Which cuisine gave us kimchi and bulgogi? Yes. Go for it, Rob. Get the hat <laughs> trick. <laughs> Korean, that? right? Korean, Korean, that is right. You were three for three. I love it. Uh, Nob, give us a deal owed a week. <laughs>
2: deal of the week uh this week is you know san francisco has been the topic of the first few segments so we might as well keep talking about san francisco um this deal of the week is a purchase bridge loan which we're seeing so many of out of the city right now where we have a couple in this case they weren't moving out of the city they were staying in the san francisco but there was a property that they wanted to jump on and uh, again they had not yet sold their um Departing residents, we call it departing residence, which means the property that they are currently living in and plan to sell. So they were, this is more of a lateral move. Um, they were moving out of a house that was worth 1.5 and moving into one that was uh, 1.66, but they had so much uh, equity in their departing residence that we were able to make them a loan pretty much uh, right at around 100% of the purchase price. Uh, we made them a loan of about one6 Six five six, <laughs> four thousand less than what the uh, purchase price was. That's right. Um, yeah, and so we, and you know, it's as we always talk about, it's one of our bridge loans where we're using the uh, equity and their departing residence collateral. So it's cross collateralization uh, on a property that they're also buying in San Francisco. They will pay us off uh, as soon as they sell their departing residence, which on average is about four or five months. So, you know, are these loans are meant to be temporary. They're meant to solve that dilemma of, uh, you know, giving the buyer the opportunity to buy their next home before they sell their current home. And um, we have seen so many bridge loans coming in San Francisco and Marin over the last six weeks. It's got to be tied to, to some of the articles and what's going on um, that I mentioned earlier in the segment, which is the number of people who are the number of listings, the number of transactions that are happening over the next, over the last six weeks is, is huge. We've, we haven't had this busy of a July in a long time. So that's great. It's been a really busy, but um, you know, in the last segment, Robert, you're talking about uh, some of the rates and how low they can go. You know, it's funny because, you know, I always get, Hey, here's your most recent credit score through your credit card company will tell you, here's your credit score from whatever agency that they use. And then my bank will do the same thing. Here's your monthly statement and here's your credit score or your FICO score. You know, as, you know, as somebody who, you know, when I buy my home and I'm seeing these great rates or I'm looking to refinance, um, how do you, how can I, is there a way to equate the credit score with the interest rate that I could potentially get Or is that too generic or general of an assumption to make? And also, which score is the most accurate?
3: Good question. So uh, we deal with the FICO model, um, and there are some different models. There's the Vantage scoring model, and when people go on to Credit Karma and things like that, they see things that are different than we we pull. We pull a residential mortgage credit report. It's a tri-merge, and it brings in the FICO score for Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion, all three. And we'll typically use the middle score for for each borrower, and the lower of the two middles will if there's a, a married couple for example or a couple on the on the application we'll use the lower of the two middle scores but consumers need to be aware that the scores that they see from consumer services are often a lot higher than they are for a mortgage and the reason for that is when when you make a mortgage or a you know a commercial loan inquiry we the, the credit agencies know that's where it's coming from and, and those industries sort of weight that average because they realize that the consumer may be getting a loan that is it you know going to be the single biggest piece of, of credit that they that they have. So uh, I've seen for example, consumers have sent me screenshots of their credit karma coming in at 780 and then when we pull their credit score for the mortgage at 745. So, you know, Mm -hmm. not uncommon to see that it's a little more conservative. But in general, for a conforming mortgage, if your score is over 760, that's as high as you need. Uh, There's no further benefit once it's over 760. And once it's over 740, in many cases, with with a conservative loan-to-value, again, you're in the best pricing tier. For jumbo loans, you sometimes see pickups for over 780 and over 800. Um, But it's pretty rare to see that on a mortgage pool. I mean, it it takes a lot of... uh, you know, everything to be right. And once you're in the mortgage arena for a loan, keep in mind that lenders also are looking at the amount of trade lines you have. So those are the individual accounts that are reporting on your credit score. So it's not only just having a good FICO score, jumbo lenders also want to know that you've managed credit and have credit depth over, over, your, over your credit life. So um, it's a great question. We get a lot of questions about FICO scores. Those are good questions for us that we're happy to help answer them too. But, you know, that's to your point, Nam, um, uh, you know, seven forty, seven sixty on on dollars on a mortgage is, is considered really good. Hmm.
1: Cool. You guys ready for, a, for a fun joke? Sure. Is, right. yeah. is it joke time? It's joke time. Okay. A fleeing Taliban terrorist, desperate for water, was plodding through the desert when he saw something far off in the distance. Hoping to find water, he hurried toward the image, only to find a very frail old little old Jewish man standing at a small makeshift display rack selling ties. The Taliban terrorist asked, Do you have water? The Jewish man replied, I have no water. Would you like to buy a tie? They're only $5. The Taliban shouted hysterically, Idiot infidel! I do not need such an overpriced Western adornment. I spit on your ties. I need water. Sorry, I have none. Just ties. Pure silk and only $5. A curse on your ties. I should wrap one around your neck and choke the life out of you, but I must conserve my energy and find water. Okay, said the little old Jewish man. It does not matter that uh, you hate me, uh, threaten my life, and call me infidel. I will show you that I am bigger than any of that. If you continue over that hill to the east for about two miles, you will find a restaurant. It has the finest food and all the ice-cold water you need. Go in peace. Cursing him again, the desperate Taliban staggered away over the hill. Several hours later, he crawled back, almost dead, and said, "They won't let me in without a tie."
2: <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I love that one. <laughs> hey, did your family laugh at that joke, Edwards? Uh Yeah, they they call them dad jokes, you know.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs>
1: Oh, sorry. I saw that one, and I go, I got to just bring that up on the show because, you know, we have uh, thoughts of the day and, uh, you know, deal with me, <laughs> and now we joke of the day, you know, that sort of fun stuff. It's
2: a good um, break out away from <laughs> talking about I know, real state all the craziness loans,
1: going right? on. Um, so loans. So, um, uh, just really quickly about the fund. Uh, been yeah. around since 2013. Never missed a distribution. Never had a loss. Mm-hmm. Uh, Average loan to value, 60%. About,
2: yeah, it's about 60%. Um, the average duration of a loan, which is a uh, question people often ask is, you know, do you make a lot of 30-year loans that are in there? So what happens if, you know, if the market changes and you're stuck with a portfolio of loans that, you know, you, you can't get uh, out of, uh, meaning that, you know, they're not going to refinance anytime soon? Uh, well, Short answer is no, we don't make a lot of 30-year loans that we put in the fund. We do have a 30-year, alter, you know, private money product, but our average loan in the fund, is it probably is about 18 months or so. Um, and it's a mix, very short in duration. The bridge loans in particular, um, you know, typically they're written for 11 months, um, but they often pay off in four or five months. All right.
1: Check them so, out. We got to get, get to our last break. Uh, check them out at PacificPrivateMoney.com. Stay with us. The Best of Investing will be right back with some closing comments.
0: You're listening to The Best of Investing on AM 1220 KDLW. Once again, your host, Edward Brown.
1: Welcome back to The Best of Investing. Last time for today, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Nam Phan and Rob Spinoza. No trivia question, but, um, you know, one thing I, I wanted to make a point of that, uh, you know, some people uh, are always kind of really leery about investments, and and you know, the question came came up one time, you know, uh, uh, with Pacific Private Money. You know, how, how do we know you're not Bernie Madoff? You know, and all that kind of stuff. And the interesting thing is, you know, people can go on uh, to a title company and and check the records and uh, see that um, you know you actually do have recorded uh, deeds of trust. You know, I mean, it's They're I mean, it's not in your name,
2: terrified. Edward. What's that? It's not in your name.
1: It's not in my name. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, a, it's Trust and Verify. Uh, yeah, so Check like them that. out again at pacificprivatemoney.com, and all those great stuff's on the website. Uh, Rob, you had an interesting stat you want to share with us
3: about uh, homeowners. Yeah, you know, I, it's always funny when we, we're we all in finance and we're all in real estate, but I always find it funny, I think like across the country, that a third of homeowners are free and clear. And I just read that one in five California homeowners live mortgage-free and only five states had fewer living without a loan. So pretty amazing that, you know, it's like uh, at the end of the rainbow, right? A lot of people, they invest in property, they, you know, they get a mortgage, they take advantage of lower rates and whatever. And what's the end goal on a lot of this is people that ultimately, you know, reach maybe retirement free and clear. And, you know, it's a good reminder that a lot of people through making the smart moves and, and, and dealing with people that they research and stuff like that do end up accomplishing that. So I think that, that, that number always startles people that that many people are free and clear.
2: That's interesting because of the average price point for homes yep. in California compared to the yeah. rest of the country. It is also, you know... I, yeah, it but it's like that saying, you know, the,
3: the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago, right? So it's, it's like really a lot of these people bought these properties when, You know, the market was down in San Francisco or whatever. They took advantage of these opportunities and they they got in and then they got the loan paid off. And and now those are income producing in some cases or, you know, roof over their head without a high cost of living associated with it. So, you know, uh, people tuning into the show need to remember that that is, you know, it's a lot of why people do this. It's just to end up owning a real asset with real value uh, and no payment associated with it.
1: Yeah, you, you know, it's interesting. Uh, you mentioned that be, about being the free and clear because uh, Pacific Private Money is going to be coming out with a new fund uh, within, uh, within a month uh, that's basically going to key in on those free and clear homes because p- some people sell those homes uh, and the borrowers uh, who buy the, those houses, uh, they can't get a conventional loan. And so the owner ends up seller carry back, as they say, uh, acting like the bank. And, uh, and so Pacific Public Money is going to be taking advantage of those situations and uh, most likely providing a very nice cost yeah. return for that.
2: Stay tuned uh, for that.
1: Yep. Yeah. Stay tuned. Stay tuned for that. We'll also have uh, probably a couple of guests. Um, and that, that uh, the distributed uh, anticipated rate is going to be uh, probably close to 9%. We're trying to get that. Uh, I'm going to help uh, Pacific Web Money kind of put something together on that, and we'll be searching uh, for some of those loans, which we already have in the portfolio, kind of getting getting set up. Again, probably along the same lines, no fee to get in, no fee to get out. Uh, not sure about the whole time. Could be just as, as little as a year, but that will be uh, probably a 9% uh, distributor rate. All right, we got about 30 seconds before we have to give our thoughts of the day. Uh, Rob, why don't you give out your information one more time? People want to get a hold of you because you're a very good mortgage broker.
3: Thank you, sir. Uh, Rob Spinoza, guaranteed rate, 415-367-5959. And we have a great website, helpful information, easy to access, www.rate.com for
2: R-A-T, interest rate.
1: And Nam, why don't you get out your information and people are interested in the Pacific Private Money
2: Fund? Yep. Uh, call us at 415-883-2150, or you can reach us at www.pacificprivatemoney.com. And go to the Invest page, because uh, we go into – Uh, some detail about the Pacific Private Money Fund as well as some of the other funds that we offer other ways to invest. And if you don't
1: qualify, you can always go to privatemoneyloans.com and register for free there. All right, uh, guys, here's our thoughts for the day. When you clean out a vacuum cleaner, you become the vacuum cleaner, right? (laughs) And the quickest way to double your money is to fold it in half and put it back in your pocket.
0: And join us again next week for the best of investing on the Bay Area's Business Leader.